Let's open our Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 2, please. We, uh, we had a great Good Friday and a great Easter Sunday. I don't know about you, but it was just awesome. I was kind of wore out after all that, though. Probably that pizza, all that pizza I ate Friday night. But uh, Love Friday, I've renamed them Love Friday and Victory Sunday. And uh, our two, as Barbara referred to, our two main enemies, sin and death, they were defeated. They were vanquished. And Jesus paid the price for our sin. He paid it in full. We're forgiving. We're forgiven. Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death. And through the cross and the resurrection, we have this incredible news, this news that is beyond measure. The great things that God has done, of course, they, they all kind of funnel back to that day, that time where Jesus was crucified, where he rose from the dead. It all kind of centers for the human race. It all kind of centers around that, revolves around the fact that God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him, would not perish, have, but have everlasting life. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, he said, faith comes from hearing the word or the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So there's this good news, this message. Now, uh, we're going to start a new book next week. We're going to start in the book of Amos, so you can, if you can read ahead for the first couple chapters, uh, that would be awesome. Uh, but I wanted to just share something that, that I, is just in my heart lately, recently, maybe because I'm getting older, maybe because of things like uh, what's happened with uh, Lori and my brother and different things that have happened that, that really it's, it's a very simple thing is this, is that we should pray for souls. It's just a simple thing that I, I you know, I'm thinking about it, that we should pray for souls, that people would have this eternal life that we talk about. You say, well, what can I do? Maybe you're not a, an evangelist. You're not Billy Graham. I'm, I know I'm not for sure, but, but I can certainly pray. And it's a very simple message that I want to share with you today is that we can pray. And we can pray for souls. Look there in 1 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 1. He says, I, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He, he talks about it here. First, he talks about prayer. All the different kinds of prayer, not just for the leaders and those in authority, but, but for everyone, he says. But notice what he says here, that this is good to pray. And, and God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. What, what should we pray? Well, this is what, what he's talking about here. That God desires, it's God's heart, that all would be saved, that all would come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, does that mean that all will? No. The Bible says that, that each one of us must, must make a choice and, and choose to believe and receive Jesus Christ. 
and rejecting Him separates us from Him. Not all will be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. But for us to pray for people and pray for souls that they would come to this place, you see, I see that it's in line with what God desires. Now, God doesn't force himself. He didn't force himself on me. He never forced you to become a believer. But you and I, as we begin to pray for people, knowing that, that God is it's, it's actually pleasing him that we would pray and that we would pray for the people around us. Pray for souls. Paul said in Romans chapter 10, you don't need to turn there, he said, speaking about his, his uh, family of Israel, he said, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. See, he... he he, he was called to be the apostle to the Gentiles, those that were not Jewish, but he never, ever lost his heart for his family. The nation of Israel, the people of Israel, he said, this is my heart's desire and my prayer to God. So we see Paul praying for the souls of those people, the, the souls of Israel, the nation of Israel, those people who were lost and apart from Messiah Jesus. Someone said to me, what's the difference between the Jewish faith and the Christian faith? And I said that the Jews, they don't see that Jesus was Messiah, that he came, that Messiah has come. They're still waiting for Messiah. Now, I want you to know in all of this that this is just something that I, I it's just a call to pray is what I see. I don't have this you know, great plan, this strategy of evangelism, that this is the program that we're going to go and this is where we're going to do all this and, and we're going to reach the world. Uh, God, I think, will do that, but I think he'll do it in answer to prayer. I think for us, for you and me to begin to pray, it's a call to pray. I want to I say something here, though, because you see, I did a search for that, pray for souls, but that, those are the words that I just felt, okay? And, and but I did a search for that, and guess what came up? Can anybody guess what came up? It kind of shocked me. I was kind of surprised. Praying for the dead. It, you know, there was like, out of the first ten, you know, how that comes up with ten, there was maybe one that had anything to do with what I was talking about. The rest were all to pray for the dead. Pray for the souls of those that have died. And I want to tell you, this is not what I'm talking about today. The fact of the matter is, is the Bible teaches it is too late then to pray for those that have already died. I want to make that so clear. I'm not talking about praying for your, you know, someone who has died already. The Bible says that it's appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. We're going to stand before him. It's not, you can't, you know, hope that someone is going to pray for you after you die and that it's going to make it all good and better. No, it's too late then. So I'm talking about praying for the people that are around us that are alive, that are living. Maybe, maybe it's not much of a life, but, but they're, they're still breathing. And you know what? I think, I think the fact of the matter is that they're all around us. They are all around us every single day. And, and the truth of it is that some are searching. 
Some are searching. But until you and I begin to pray and begin to like bring it before the Lord, I don't think that we can actually see. We get so caught up in everything that we are doing. My job, my this, my that, my car, my house, my, 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 my. And God says, oh my. What about the people all around you? Pray. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. John, chapter 4, verse 34. <clears throat> John, chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus, he says these words, My food... What sustains me? He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Say, the context here, he's talking about, he's talking to the woman at the well. He's sharing with her the, the truth, that, that the truth of the water of life, that life comes from him. But look what he says in verse 35. He says, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I send you to reap what you have not worked for. And others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. There's a lot in this passage, and, and, but, but there are a few things that, that kind of stand out to me. Number one is this, is that, that he wants them that he was speaking to, and he wants you and I, I believe, to open our eyes. To open our eyes and look around and see. Not later, he says, you know, he says, you know, there's four, don't say four months more. I'm going to look at that later. I'm kind of busy right now finishing what I'm doing. And then, and then later on, I'll, I'll, I'll think about these things. Later, later on, I'll, I'll look around me and see what's going on in my family and, and my friends and my neighbors and, and all the rest of it. But he's saying now. You remember we talked a, a, a while back when that article came out in Time magazine saying this, that the two least Bible-minded cities in the United States are the adjacent metros or metropolitan areas of Providence, Rhode Island, and New Bedford, Massachusetts, according to a study from the American Bible Society. We are in the middle of it. We, you and I, we look around, open our eyes and look around. That, that wasn't just an interesting study. It's, a, it's, it's disheartening for one, but it's... it's it's a tragedy on the other hand because that means these people around us are all turning away, rejecting, lost, and are heading for what some call a Christless eternity. Do you and I even realize that? Do we even care? It starts with prayer. As you and I, and again, this, this is something I, that, that I, I believe that, that, that is for me first, first, to pray for those around us, to pray for people's souls. I remember when I first became a believer, 
There was a guy called Keith Green. How many of you know who Keith Green is? Quite a few of you do. He, was, he, he, uh, he wrote some pretty incredible songs, and, and uh, it's interesting. He, he, he died in a plane crash very early in his life. But he had this one song that, that, that talks about caring for the people around us. And the name of the song is interesting. It's called Asleep in the Light. That we're in the light. We know the truth. But we're asleep. We're not, we're not awake. We're not aware of what's going on around us. Now, let me read some of the words from this song. He says, do you see? Do you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care? Don't you care? Are you going to let them drown? How can you be so numb not to care if they come? You close your eyes and pretend the job's done. He says, oh, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord. You know it's all I ever hear. No one aches, no one hurts, no one even sheds one tear. But he cries, he weeps, he bleeds, and he cares for your needs. And you just lay back and keep soaking it in. Oh, can't you see it's such sin? The world is sleeping in the dark that the church can't fight because it's asleep in the light. What a message. Open your eyes, Jesus said. Open your eyes and look. Look at the fields. Look around. He says they're ripe for harvest. He, he points out here the second thing I notice about that is different people doing different things. But I think we, we need to begin with prayer. But then he sees, he, he talks about those that sow the seed and then, and then those that reap. And sometimes he says, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. And I, and I believe that part of the hard work is that prayer. It's not easy to pray for people. It's not easy to remember to pray at all. I'm human, I know. To actually think of somebody and pray for them that their hearts would be open to Jesus, that, that God would do something in their life, that God would do whatever it takes to bring them to that place of understanding the cross and their need for the forgiveness that only Jesus can bring. What can we do? We can pray. We can pray. We can pray for ourselves, too, that God would open our eyes. And then pray for others that God would open their eyes to see their great need. To see His love. To see His truth. You know, I, I don't think I've mentioned this for a very, very long time, but there was a lady in our neighborhood. Uh, her name is Mrs. Crabtree. Any of you remember me? Talking about Mrs. Crabtree, it's a strange name, you might remember it. My daughter, duh. <laughs> Anyways, Mrs. Crabtree kind of lived just around the corner and down a little street, so it's about, say, uh, half a block away or so. But uh, we didn't have a lot of contact with Mrs. Crabtree, but you know what? I found out, I found this out later that her and her husband, they would pray for us, they prayed for us. They prayed for some of the young people in the neighborhood. I don't, know who, I don't know who all they prayed for, but I know they prayed for me. And, and uh, I just believe that it was through those prayers that, that things came together in my life. And just for me to know then later after I became a believer and after I you know, began to just serve the Lord and I went over there a few times and I would just talk with her. And what, what a heart. She was the most gentlest woman but I knew she prayed for me. She passed away 
a few years back, I felt like one of my foundations were taken away, that prayer, that someone was praying for me. Um, I went over there after she passed away, and, and her husband was there, but he had Alzheimer's pretty bad. He didn't really know who we were. But a time previous to that, I, we'd gone over there, and she was still alive, and, and, and uh, we went over there, and, and uh, <clears throat> her husband, his name was Lyle, he took us over to our, our old house. And uh, we went over to the house, and, you know, the kids, I don't remember if all the kids were with us, but we went over there, and he, he went in the, in the front of the house. There's this little cement pad there that, that uh, was put in at some point, and there were handprints and names of all of our kids, of all us kids, my, kid, my brothers and sisters. Were all, the names were all in there. And he brought us over there. He knocked on the door and said, we're just here to look at that, because I, I would have been a little, felt a little strange about doing that. But this, these people, they prayed for us. There's something powerful about praying for people, praying for those people around you. They were just neighbors. That's all they were. But they prayed for us. I remember another, another um, thing that happened in my life when I was uh, probably about 13 or 14, maybe a little bit older, but we were hooligans. Any of you ever been a hooligan? Do you know what a hooligan is? Do you use that word anymore? We were just hooligans, okay? And we had a group of us, and there was this little gospel church on the corner. And it was basically a house that, you know, was converted. And it probably wasn't much bigger than that platform area back there. And it was converted into a little church, and there were people in there. And, and me and a bunch of people, we went, we were just going to cause trouble. We went into that church, and they were having a meeting in there. And some of us kids lit up cigarettes in the back there. I don't think I did. Actually, I didn't like smoking. It made me sick. And we were in the back of this church, right? And we're smoking, you know, we're just like raising Cain and, and being hooligans. And, and at some point, those people, they didn't come and say, you get out of here, you rotten, no good hooligans. <laughs> Which they should have done. Should have called the police. I mean, you know, if someone came in here and started smoking cigarettes, what would you do? Ooh, I don't want to think about that right now. They came to the back of the church and they said, hey, come up here. We want to pray for you. What? And you know, the crazy thing is we went up there. <laughs> we went up to the front of this church and they, and they, they said, just, just get right here, like kneel down kind of thing, and we're going we're gonna to put our hands on you and pray for you. And like, that is weird. We're going, oh, well. And they were like praying fast and furious. I could still remember kind of like the spit coming and, and like landing on it. It was like that kind of prayer, loud and fast and all this. And uh, they were praying for our souls, though. There's no question about it. I don't remember the words, but I know they were praying for our souls. And I don't remember who else was there with us. But I know that, that prayer had an effect in my life. 
the different, peoples, the, the, the different people that prayed for me had an effect in my life. And so I just share that because I, I know that there are people around us that we can pray for. Turn back to Matthew chapter 9, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 9. Verse 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had his eyes open and that's what he saw. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's what he saw. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord or pray to the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. He says, pray. He saw the people around him. He cared and he, and, he, and he said to his disciples, you need to pray. You need to pray. There's a big harvest field. It's plentiful. It's all around us, but, but the workers are few. And you know what? I, I think that my desire is that you and I would be part of the few. And that we would pray and that we would ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. We can pray. What, 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 what else can we do? What can we do? Well, we can pray. And, and the interesting thing is he says here that he says to pray to the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest. We can't make anything happen. We can't make somebody open their eyes to Jesus. We can't do anything, but we can pray and we, act, we ask the Lord of the harvest to do something. We can pray for God to open our eyes. We can pray for opportunities to share our story. We can pray for our family. We can pray for our friends and our neighbors. One more passage I want to look at, Luke chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 5. It says that one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee, when the, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water. And let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, uh, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. From now on, you will be fishers of men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, and they left everything, and they followed him. 
That's an incredible passage, and I believe it's for us because some of us, you know, we, we just haven't seen any fruit. We haven't seen anything going on, but he says, don't give up. Don't be afraid. He says, just do what I ask you to do. And Peter says, just because you say so, I'll do it. But look at Peter's response. He knew it wasn't him, right? In verse 8, he says he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. What, what can you and I do? Absolutely nothing. But we can pray. We can pray to the Lord of harvest, the Lord of the harvest. We can pray that God would do something. In Proverbs, it says that where there are no oxen, the manger is empty or the manger is clean. He says, but from the strength of an ox comes an abundant abundant harvest. In other words, you know, it might be good that, you know, you have no ox and nothing going on because it's very clean and neat and it's all great. He says, but, you know, not much happens. And, and, And even what I'm talking about, I realize that as we begin to pray, as we begin to pray for God to do something and, and, and pray for the souls of people, that, that, that stuff could happen and it could get messy. And the truth is, the truth is when you think about childbirth, it's not an easy thing that happens in childbirth. And it's sometimes very messy and very difficult and very painful. But what's the alternative? Oh, it's very clean, very clean in that stable. But nothing is going on. We, you know, what's the alternative? We can be very happy, and, and like Keith Green said, we can just enjoy all the things and have a little bless me, oh, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord club. But there are people all around us, people all around us, your neighbors. Think of a couple of people, your neighbors. And I want you to do something right now before I finish. I got one more quote I want to finish with. But I want you to take your little bullets in there and, and get a pen. Right now, I want you to do this. This is action. I want you to take out that piece of paper and a pen. I want you to write down, write down, pick one, one to three people. Write down. Go ahead and do it right now. If you don't have a pen, ask someone else for a pen. And write down the names of one to three people. You see, if you don't, you can say, oh, that sounds really good. But if you don't, if you don't pick one or two or three people and actually begin to actually do this, nothing will happen. I can guarantee you nothing will happen. Go ahead and write down one, to, one two, or three names that you can think of. Your neighbor, maybe? Maybe somebody, one of your, somebody that don't know Jesus. I'm not talking about your Christian friends who need who need, we have a lot of needs, we have our own needs, we have a lot of needs in our body and people, but I'm talking about people who are not believers. And then take that piece of paper and put it, when you get home, put it in a place where you will see it. Maybe put it in a Bible, in a place where you read your Bible every day, and and that can be your marker that that you're going to see those names and you're going to pray for those people. Now, does, does that guarantee that they're going to become believers? No, but I guarantee that something will happen. I can guarantee you that. Something will happen. And I'm going to do that. I'm, I, I, I'm beginning to pray for, there's, there's four neighbors right around me. I'm just going to pray for them. I'm just going to remember. And, and you have to tell myself, oh, yeah, remember. Oh, yeah, pray. Let me close 
with a, an article or a, a, a statement by a guy named Michael Catt, and he is the pastor of Sherwood Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia, who you would have heard about because that church uh, produced Facing the Giants, Fireproof, and Courageous, the, the movies that many of us have seen. But it's called this, Praying for People Who Need to Know God. He says this, God cares about the lost, and He will rain down salvation from the heavens if we seek Him earnestly for the salvation of unbelievers. He said, is there someone in your life who is lost? Do you love that person? Do you want God's best for them? Then plead for them. Ask the Holy Spirit to convict them of sin. Pray that situations and circumstances will set in motion, will be set in motion to cause them to turn to God. Take the name of that unsaved parent, child, relative, friend, or work associate to the throne of grace. And as the Lord brings their names to your mind, pray that God would draw them to himself. He said, we are surrounded by people whose lives hang in the balance. They are headed toward a Christless eternity. And we must ask God to give us a burden for the least of these. We need our hearts broken. We need our hearts broken over the broken lives and homes all around us. We need to get before God and pray until we see the world the way he sees it. And he finishes with this line. He says, praying for the loss is not the least I can do. It's the most I can do. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I pray that you would stir up a fire in us to begin to pray, to take that name, and maybe, maybe that one or two or three names and just begin to pray and bring those names before that throne of grace. And Lord, in the process, I, I pray that you'd change us and give us eyes to see around us, Lord. How much time do we have? I don't know. How much time do I have? I don't know. but I believe you hear our prayers. And, and while we're here, you want us to be about the work and, 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 and like the work that Jesus was doing. And some of it's hard. It's not easy to pray. Maybe some of the people that we would pray for are, are not even our friends and maybe even our enemies. But God, you do great things. We heard about it this morning. We heard the testimony that you do great things and for us to consider. And as we come and pray to you for souls of people, people that are, that are living who need to know eternal life, that we consider that you are the one who does great things. Father, I pray that you'd stir us up as a church, not to be a club, but, but to be people that are part of the few that are, that are, that are just storming your throne with, with the, the needs of this world and, and primarily the needs of people to come to know you as Savior and as Lord. I pray for any here today, myself, I pray, Lord, for any here today who don't know you as, as Savior and Lord and, and have not received that forgiveness, that eternal life that we just celebrated 
at Good Friday and Easter. I pray for them. And if that's you today, you can, you can enter into the kingdom of God. You can become a child, a son and a daughter because of the amazing thing that Jesus did for you on that cross. He died for you. He died for your sins and he was buried and he rose from the dead, defeating death. And all that you can do is trust in him and believe in him and receive what he offers to you. That's all any of us have done. That's all any of us needs to do. Believe and receive. If that's you this morning, you can do it right here today and simply open your heart and say, I, I'm lost. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. And I, and I invite you in. I believe that you died for me. You rose from the dead for me. I ask you into my life today. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?